what's going on, everybody? This is Ricky Reigns with Kitty Lift Podcast. I'm uh, missing my co-host, Alex Bryant, for this portion of the episode, um, but he should join us for the latter part. But I am joined by a special guest today, and that is Mike K., the Panthers beat writer for the Charlotte Observer. Mike, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. How's everything going? You got a uh, new addition to the Mike K. team at home, right? Yeah, he we're we're already lining him up in the I formation, so it's working it's working out pretty well. My wife's gotten really good at snapping, uh, <laughs> you know. So, and my oldest son, you know, he's pretty fast. So, yeah. I mean, so, for so him, the new guy, lineage, your you know? your new son, your new son is the um, fullback then in this because I know you got a proclivity for a fullback. Yeah, he uh, he was like two pounds heavier than my first son. Um, wow. And he gained like a pound within like the first ten days, which is weird because the doctors normally tell you that takes two months or right. takes a month. Right. And so he's just been he's been he's been uh, loading, man. Dude eats. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That is great news. Everybody else is doing good. Wife is good. Yeah, everybody's wonderful. Thank you for asking. Love that, man. Um, so let's get right into it because I know you don't have a whole ton of time. Um, First thing, we're we're coming up on the trade deadline, right? And sure. we know that TMJ has requested a trade or been given permission to seek a trade. Um, any news on that front with TMJ first? Well, I think they've kind of made the mutual agreement that they won't kind of elevate the drama of this. We talked to TMJ Monday, and he was pretty on message uh, yeah. when it came to not wanting to talk about the trade. I actually really respected the way he handled it. He stood with us, you know, in a scrum for roughly 10 minutes, made incredible eye contact, especially with me, which kind of had me concerned. But uh, <laughs> um, no, I mean, look, I, I think when you're a guy who is a former second round pick, you've been benched by basically two separate uh, regimes, even though in between that you did, pretty well with the interim head coach. Yeah. Um, I think it's difficult, man. I, I, I think he's got all, I've always said this. I, I think Terrace has all the tools. He has all the tools to be a really good starting wide receiver in the league. The problem is he doesn't play to them consistently. Yeah. And I think, you know, a problem with rule, I believe just he wasn't really a red zone threat, but he's six foot two and over 200 pounds and you need to be able to use him there. Yeah. I think for this regime, it was more of, Hey, can you fill a specific role? I also think they drafted Jonathan Mingo. They want Mingo out on the field. To me, Marshall had a significantly better training camp. Um, I think he's a better player right now, but mm -hmm. you know, you can't talk out of both sides of your mouth. We've criti—I mean, I've openly criticized the staff's un seemingly unwillingness on defense to develop guys. Yeah, I can't then turn around and say, "Well, they drafted a guy at number thirty-nine and they put him on the field over a guy they didn't draft." Right? Like so. Right. Um, look, I think he's probably a third or fourth receiver in the league. That's how he's viewed around the league. Just kind of pulling people around. Mm -hmm. uh, I talked to two or three, uh, you know, evaluators. I think they can get a sixth or a seventh for them if they do trade them. I don't yeah. know if that's going to be enough for them. Uh, but look, here's what I would say too. And like everybody loves like the training camp story, but I think Derek Wright legitimately had great chemistry with Bryce Young throughout yeah. the season. Yep. If this opens up the opportunity for him to play, he's cheap. 
He's cost controlled for three or four years. Maybe it's time to make a move. This team only has six draft picks next year. And my understanding is they want to accumulate more. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, I mean, that's a great point because we saw Terrace and, and I went to a handful of the practices in camp as well. We saw all the clips from everybody. Terrace did have a pretty solid camp and, and other, other reporters that covered the team. I think Sheena quick was very high on him as well. Talking about how good he looked, how strong his hands look, but you made a good mention of like the usage for him. It seemed like Steve Wilkes had the best idea of how to use him at the end of last season. There was a little bit more of the deep opportunities that kind of played into, like you said, his physical attributes and using that to his fullest advantage. We haven't seen that. So with Thomas Brown taking over the play calling, is it possible, though, that maybe he has a different idea of how to use Terrace and that those burn those bridges haven't been completely burned and he can come back and still produce here? Or do you get the feeling like, nah, I think that this one's run its course and they're going to move on here eventually? That's a really great question. I think for him, I think it behooves the Panthers this week specifically to try to find a a role for him because if he succeeds, you're showcasing his trade value. Right. To me, he is kind of a Z receiver who can, can, you know, if he has space, he can make guys fall behind and, and you can pick up large gains. I mean, we saw those big gains last year. I don't think he's a red zone threat. So I think you've got to figure out a way to use him between the 20s where maybe you wouldn't use Mingo. Uh, I think the problem for Terrace, like really just from a fundamental standpoint, we've talked about Jeremy Chin. We've talked about other guys who are weird scheme fits. The issue is you don't want to put Mingo at X because he's not good at getting off press. And he's a young kid. He doesn't know the game very well, at least the NFL level. DJ Chark, who is a natural Z, is being put at X, largely, I would assume, because he's a veteran and can kind of withstand it. The problem is he's oft injured and he's not very good at getting off press. Mm-hmm. So when you want those two guys on the field, remember the staff really, really wanted DJ Chark. Do Staley right. helps recruit him. So when you prioritize those two guys, it doesn't really give a lot of wiggle room for Terrace to be out there. I've said all summer long that Adam Thielen was going to be the number one wide receiver. I got scoffed at. People laughed. They thought he was cooked. No, he's having an incredible year because he's working this lot because he's a technician. And I think part of the issue right now is, and something that Matt Rule kind of fell into, they trait hunted and looked for guys who could, you know, be explosive and whatever. And when the explosion's not there, they don't have the technique to fall back on. Adam Thielen, you know where he's going to be. He's going to be open eight times out of ten. That's why it's easy to connect with him. And I think for Terrace, who is a guy who's probably not a natural technician, who is a size-speed guy, if he's not showing right away in practice, how much do you want to prioritize him over the guys that you you hand-selected? Right, right. And and Mingo still, he kind of falls in that same group in in a way as well of having all the traits and doing all those things without being a complete technician. But like you said, they're going to prioritize his development and they are kind of force feeding him right now. And, and maybe that's not beneficial for this season just because of the production aspect of it. But for the long term, that does seem to make a little bit more sense than trying to fit Terrace into that, no matter if Terrace is a better player right now or not. Um, we mentioned DJ Chark. You know, we just spoke to him um, the other day. We just had him on the show. And he was talking about Thomas Brown and about what the changes that play calling can do for him. Um, and not for him personally, but for this offense in general. You had a great article um, at the end of last week, I believe it was, 
um, where you kind of spoke about what Thomas Brown could do with this offense. Was he capable of fixing all of it with the talent around and, and everything like tied together? He's got a lot going against him. It's not just implementing a couple of tweaks to the scheme. Um, what are your thoughts on what improvements and how much improvement we can realistically expect to see from Thomas Brown's play caller? Well, I think for me, the the outlook is communication and play fl- and, and play calling flow. I think that was the main issue here. It's not like Frank Reich showed up in, in North Carolina and immediately lost his touch. Right. Uh, the guy was known as like a very, very forward thinking play caller. Um, but I think when he had to look at like the overarching picture and and play call and there were so many new chefs in the kitchen, like it just got overwhelming for the operation not necessarily for him but i think this will be good just from an operational standpoint um i think having one voice as the play caller and one mind you know you never want to be the writer director producer of a movie because then you have no outside input yeah now you've got frank reich serving as the producer you've got thomas brown as the director and then you know, you've got Bryce Young as the star, and I think that that's a successful recipe. A lot of people are getting screenwriting credits, but yeah, when you have yeah. one one guy kind of uh, communicating to the actor, I think that's really important. And I think the flow of the game can change. I think the selection yeah. of the play calling—they're not going to reinvent the wheel here. I mean, he was part right. of the entire playbook design since you know February or March, right? But I do think maybe they get Bryce Young out of his comfort zone a little bit. You know, normally with rookies, you want to do what they're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to push them out of their comfort zone. We saw that with Indianapolis. Um, and I think maybe it's time to challenge Bryce a little bit because what he likes might not necessarily be working just for on the surface. I, I don't yeah. know what, what you know, their overarching plan is and, sure. and how much input he has. I'm sure he has a ton. But what I would say is now's the time where Thomas – and Bryce, who I believe are very like-minded, mm-hmm. can kind of figure out a flow to this play calling. I also think there will be more of a balanced attack here. Yeah, that makes sense. So when you talk about that, that was an interesting part of that. When you said get Bryce out of his comfort zone, I have always kind of thought that like his comfort zone would have been more play action, getting rolling out of the pocket a little bit and not being and not necessarily that the play calling has kept him statuesque. But it seems like there has been an emphasis on maybe protecting him a little bit and keeping him in the pocket as opposed to exploiting him maybe to some unnecessary hits. But it seemed like his comfort zone playing, at least in college, was kind of those, you know, off platform, out of structure plays. So do you think that that's something, even though it maybe not what he's comfortable in so far in the NFL, do you think that's a way that Thomas Brown tries to incorporate maybe a little bit more getting him out of the pocket to open him up and get him playing a little bit free? Yeah, I think I think that's what I mean with a comfort zone. I'm not necessarily saying like, "Hey, you know, let's protect him." Yeah. But I do I do get that sense. I think that's a very astute point. I think, look, the the difference between him and CJ Stroud on tape. I like CJ Stroud. CJ yeah. Stroud would have been my first overall pick. Um, I the first several mock drafts we did, I had CJ Stroud going there based on my preference and my tape study. Um, but, I, hope you're ready. I hope you're ready for any kind of negative feedback you get on no, that. No, <laughs> they were extremely close. Yeah. They were extremely close, in my opinion. I'm just a big believer in natural, natural, just like pocket presence, accuracy, sure, whatever. Sure, sure. 
But the difference to me was if you were comfortable with his size, Bryce was significantly more off script mm-hmm. and improvisational. That sure. was the thing. Yeah. Like when I, so before the draft, I did a kind of like a breakdown of who who had the better mobility, who had the better accuracy, who had the better. Mm-hmm. If Bryce Young was taller, there would have been no question about this. Yeah. Um, I do think Bryce is probably the more capable player. I just kind of err on the side of caution. Yeah. I think Bryce Young was the better college player. There's no question about that. For what I like, my what I the type of offense that I like to watch and to run mm-hmm. um, is more tangibly pocket based. Yeah, and I think what Bryce is what they've done right now is more tangibly pocket based, mm-hmm. uh, which I think would have fit CJ Stroud a little bit better. That said, yeah. I think Bryce Young's an immensely talented player and. Yeah. I would have been fine with either one of them quarterbacking my team. I think the first six weeks, is, as Frank Reich said, I mean, it's, I mean, he's played five games. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to, right. I think Bryce is going to be completely fine. Right. Um, and, and you know, when you say, and, yeah. And when you, when you say, even when you say like uh, air on the side of caution with, with CJ Stroud, it's not even like you, it's a safe thing with CJ Stroud. Like he's still a right. dynamic player too. So what would you say makes perfect sense? Bryce, Bryce always seemed to me like he had a little bit more um, capability to adapt with the modern NFL, that if things start switching a little bit more and you can use a different kind of offense, and that does play into the scheme that we run here, right? That we run something that maybe doesn't use some of those new modern um, folds of the offensive game. Maybe we see that with Thomas Brown. Um, But you also mentioned in your article that this frees up some other things for Frank Reich. Where do you think we see improvements on this team with Frank having a little bit more of like the CEO big picture role as opposed to focusing like more on the offense? Well, I think from a pre-snap functioning, I think Mm -hmm. that you'll kind of see a a quicker pace. I think he'll be able to articulate what he wants the way he wants to do it. I think you'll see the defense maybe have a little bit more of his influence. He can kind of you know, talk to the defense a little bit more, be focused on those defensive meetings. I just think overall, I think the operational flow will be better. Yeah. Um, we get Austin Corbett back, or he's activated off of the pup list or of the IR. Um, what does, what do you expect though? Do you think that he comes back and actually plays right away after being activated? Or is this still a process where he's a couple weeks away and we just didn't want to keep him um, gone for the entire season? I mean, he's looked good in practice. I mean, it, only time will tell. I don't. I don't want to give you a cop out answer, but no, no, you're you know, it's kind of hard. I've only seen him practice once, but yeah. he does seem like a guy who, once he's ready, will will play. I I, I feel pretty good that he will play. I can't guarantee yeah. it, but I think yeah. they really need him. I don't think he's going to be Austin Corbett game one. You know what right. I mean? Right. But realistically, and I think if you're being objective and fair to the whole process, there was no more important offensive player last year than Austin Corbett. I think he was the Agreed. best player on the, on the entire offense last year. And he did a world of good for Bradley Bozeman. He did a world yep. of good for Taylor Moten. I, I think right guard is such a difficult position to play consistently well, mm-hmm. um, as we've seen from this turnstile. He is very, very good. Like yeah. I don't know what happened going from Cleveland to L.A., but he is eons the player yeah, yeah. in Cleveland. And I think James Campen is has really kind of unlocked a lot in him as well. 
So you do anticipate him going back to that right side, then you don't think that he slides over to the left since we're missing Brad, uh, um, Bradley, or Brady Christensen as well? It's an interesting thought. I, I just think he's a more natural right guard. Right guard is yeah. the harder position to play. I think Chandler Zavala's had his lumps at left guard. Maybe this reset will help. But that's supposed to be his natural position. And his yeah. film's phenomenal at NC yeah. State when he was healthy. Mm-hmm. So I, I think they'll give him a shot. I thought Cade Mays played fine at left guard. I don't think he was great. Where is Nash Jensen? Is he still is he still getting any kind of looks? Because I there was a lot of talk about him, you know, in the preseason coming in that maybe he would start at that right guard spot at first. And I haven't heard anything about him, man, in the last like six weeks. I mean, he's out there at practice. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, it, it's hard because we only get like fifteen minutes right. at most practices. So gotcha. um what I will say is you know, if you've been following this team throughout the summer, there's been a lot of praise for certain guys who have had pretty diminished roles now. Remember, Terrace Marshall uh-huh. was a guy who was teaching Adam Thielen. Yeah. Uh, Nash Jensen right. was a standout. Yeah. Marquand McCall. Marquand McCall, yeah. Who I still get <laughs> trashed for, even though the team website put out a story days before he was released. Well, me and uh, both, man. I was, I was a big Marquand guy as well, and uh, I got trashed for saying that he was an, an impact player that got, you know, cut for no reason. Well, if, you look, silly. if you look at nose tackle right now and their run defense, whether he was good or not, that probably would have made a little bit of a difference, right? Man, especially um, with the injuries to you know, linebacker. Have somebody let those guys be free and not get that, you know, offensive line creeping into the second level. I still remember OTAs, Frank going out of his way to praise Raheem Blackshear. The guy was a healthy yeah. scratch for four games. So right. it's like right. the consistency of messaging is Kind of interesting, but yeah. anyway, on yeah. that note, I, I think I think left guard they want to make Chandler Zavala work. I think he's a long term mm-hmm. guy there. I just think maybe going back and forth and having muscle memory is a problem. Yeah, got it. So let's let's wrap it up here because I know we got to get you out of here, man. Um, we got the Texans week eight. C.J. Stroud coming in town. Bryce Young coming off the bye week. Frank Reich is four and zero as a head coach coming off the bye week. Um, what do you expect to see here in in this matchup? I think the Houston Texans are playing relatively well on both sides. Like you look at the at the yardage and it's not great. You look at their ability to create turnovers, it's not great. But they're keeping teams to 18.8 points a game uh, on defense. And then you look at kind of what CJ's been able to do. I think the difference in success between these two quarterbacks is CJ's got speed all around him. Like he is able to throw down field. This yeah. is one of those things. Again. I thought they were very close. It was all preferential. Mm-hmm. Um, Bryce is going to be good, in my opinion. Maybe great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also think, like, you got to be careful. I've seen quarterbacks who, like, go out and ball for a year, and then they become pretty middling, right? Yep. So I like the long-term progress that they're taking with Bryce. I just think, like, when you look at wide receiver – they can't get the ball downfield in a hurry right now. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's going to be the difference here, especially when you consider Houston's defense is playing relatively well. Mm-hmm. Yep, that makes a lot of sense, man. So uh, we'll look out for that. We'll look to see what the uh, – it really, man, it's like that Tank Dell-Jonathan Mingo conversation, right? That if you had switched those two picks right there and you give Bryce Young this quick, shifty guy that could create his own space and get down the field in a hurry as opposed to a guy that maybe isn't ready to run some of those routes, some of those more nuanced um, routes in the route tree. Maybe that makes a difference, but we'll keep an eye on it. Mike, man, I really appreciate you coming on today. I know that you were kind of like trying to cram everything in. You got a busy schedule. 
Um, congrats on everything you got going on personally, man. And uh, we'll we'll keep looking out for you. Tell everybody where to find you on Twitter and all that kind of stuff. Well, I appreciate all that, Ricky. Um, you can follow me on Twitter or I guess yell at me for my opinions on quarterbacks <laughs> at Mike underscore E underscore my last name K. Uh, so, yeah. Looking forward and, to that. And subscribe, and subscribe to the Charlotte Observer. You guys always have yep. good deals going on with that too, man. No, I appreciate it. And look, like I would say this. If they can shut down Nico Collins, this this Texans running game is mm-hmm. not particularly good. Right. Um, that said, the Panthers are the second worst run defense in the league. They actually might be first now. I haven't checked since over the bye, but like – Maybe we got thing. If, they, <laughs> if they can limit the run, if they can make this one dimensional, this will yeah. be a very close game. Yep, agreed. Well, that'll that'll be music to people's ears at least to hear that it could be a close game. You know, that's all we ask for at this point. <laughs> awesome. I appreciate it, Mike. Um, and and hopefully we can uh reconnect at some point later down the season. Maybe, you know, if we uh turn this thing around and start making a playoff push or something like that. <laughs> well, I wouldn't hold your breath, but but that sounds good. I think win one's coming next week, so we'll there see. you go. Oh, so you got you got next week as the one that we get off the uh, off the uh, zero hole. Yeah, man, and you can read about it on the Observer. Uh, I predicted the rest of the season. I'm going to stick to my prediction. Oh, I like that. Yeah, see, I can't really do that because my prediction was we win ten games, so I've already had to pivot a little bit. Oh, I did a mid. <laughs> I did a a, a mid season one. Uh, Oh, just like, like reevaluating, uh, I have yeah. to go five and twelve. We'll see if 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 this okay. thing turns out. Yeah, that's not awful, man. Well, look, appreciate the time, Mike. Have a great rest of the day, and uh, everybody, make sure you check out all of Mike's content. Really, really good stuff. In tune with the Panthers. Mm-hmm.